Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of On The Mix. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today I'm going to talk about the really strange, really bizarre rivalry between Prince and Rick James. So this is something I never really learned about. I mean, of course, like Prince and Rick James are kind of one in the same. You know, they're both pop, funk singers. They came out around the same time. Like, you would think that they wouldn't really have rivalry between each other. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, it's kind of like also throwing Michael Jackson in the mix too. Like, they're all kind of on the same level as each other. However, the rivalry between Prince and Rick James was really, really intense. Like, it got to a point where Rick almost was going to throw punches at Prince. No kidding. It's really, really crazy. Um, So, you know, this one, I kind of feel like I'm going to maybe freestyle a little bit more where I interject maybe more of my own opinion. I do have an outline here, of course, but I think I'm going to mix a little bit more of my own personal opinion in here just because, I mean, I want this to flow a bit more seamlessly, I suppose. I mean, you know, what more can I say aside from two of the most legendary pop artists of all time had massive beef with each other? Um... Believe me, it goes deeper than just on the surface level kind of stuff here. I think, especially if you were growing up around that time of the late 70s in the early 80s as well, that you know of Rick James and you know about Prince. I would say everyone grew up with both. I like both. I mean, they both offer different things and they both, again, I think they're just cut from the same cloth, but because of the rivalry between the two of them, it kind of became a bit over-sensationalized as well, I would say, at least. I mean, it's also a bit silly. You know, they started with their debut albums coming out at the same time in 1978, so they both come out around the same time. However, Rick James, he was kind of further along in the scene. Like, you know, he was a bit older than Prince. You know, Prince was about 21, 22 when he was, um, you know, making a big with his second album and his really popular hit, I Want to Be Your Lover. So there was that going on. But, you know, I would say Rick really peaked when he released Super Freak and fired up like his first couple of albums, I think, were peak. And then when Prince came along, it was kind of like this new kid on the scene, he's younger than Rick James, he's fresher in terms of like his style. Not only were those things a factor that were accumulating between Rick James and Prince, but also Prince actually had the ability to not only attain a black audience, but also a white audience, which is something that Rick James actually kind of struggled to do for a long time. And that was fine with him. Rick was always okay with just catering to a black audience because that's where he felt more at home. And Rick James has always been extremely vocal about his blackness. Like, this is who I am. No one can change that about me. You know, he's very all about that. And I love that. I really, really like how vocal he is about about all of that. Um, but the fact of the matter is Prince had both. When Rick saw this, he realized, okay, I have to like step up my game. So let's kind of dive into a bit more of the specifics. What really was the main reason between the beef between Rick James and Prince? Well, again, they both released debut albums around the same time in 1978. It's, it's just like it was a wild and crazy, crazy time. And he was doing drugs. Okay, 
He has done a plethora of drugs, and unfortunately, those drugs kind of led him to be really angry. You know what I'm saying? Like, some people really do consider Rick James one of the founding fathers or one of the forefathers of the funk scene. You know, you got so many, so many artists back in the 70s that were the one of the forefathers, but some people, and I would think including himself, considered himself one of the founding fathers of funk. And so... You know, he was kind of making the rounds, if you will. And then Prince comes along, right? So actually how the story goes is one day Rick James was out with some of his friends and they went to a record store and Rick James picks up Prince's second album and he goes over to his friends and he says, hey, what do you think about this Prince kid? You know what I'm saying? This is at the time 1980 and this was when his album Fire It Up was released. And so he was going to invite Prince to open up for his show. He's like, hey, who's this kid? Like, he's making the rounds with this tune. I want to be your lover. It's doing great right now. Like, why don't we give this kid a bit of a chance to open for our show? And Prince was about 22. So he was young. One of the things that I think we have to remember is Rick was extremely territorial over the funk scene. You know what I mean? Like that was his home. That was where he was most comfortable. That's where he really fit in. And even though he gave Prince a chance, right? He's like, let Prince open up for the Fire It Up tour. Prince is like 22. Let him open it up. It's his second album. You know, he's doing pretty good for himself. Let's give Prince a chance. However, this opened the floodgates because when Rick saw that Prince was younger than him, He was maybe better looking than him. He was more agile, more flexible. He could do all of the dance moves. He could acquire not only a black audience, but a white audience. Prince seemingly kind of had it all. And Rick was kind of really angry that Prince was then coming up on him and being better and one-upping Rick. So it was like this kind of competition between the two of them. Whenever Prince would go up on stage, Rick would be in the background, like kind of leering over, watching, and vice versa. Whenever Rick was on stage, Prince would be off in the back, leering over, looking at what was going on. So they were each like one-upping each other. Prince was available to open for the Fire It Up tour in 1980. That's awesome. This tour in particular, right, this tour specifically was dubbed the Battle of Funk. However, you would think that they would come together because they're cut from the same cloth. But unfortunately, there is just that rivalry between the two of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can understand that in a way. You know, you're Rick James. You know, you're a lot older than this Prince guy. You know, you can't really do all these moves anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not as flexible anymore. You can't do all the things that this young, agile Prince kid can do. Rick always felt like he had to one-up Prince. So after this Fire It Up tour, that was really when the rivalry started. It got to a point, like I mentioned right in the beginning, where fists almost were flying at Prince. There was one show where Rick James brought his mother along, and Rick James's mother asked Prince backstage for an autograph. And he kind of walked away. He didn't give her an autograph. He didn't realize that that was Rick James's mother, first of all. He didn't know who she was. Rick James saw this unfold and he was like, oh, hell no. I'm getting this little prince guy right now. I am throwing hands with this kid right now. Let's go. 
So Prince's manager steps in and he's like, whoa, 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 Rick, what are you doing? What are you doing? And Rick's like, hey, this little guy over here denied my mom an autograph. I'm going to throw hands with this guy. What's, what's, what's good? You know? And Prince was like, hey, man, I didn't know that that was your mom. I apologize. And uh, that was that. And Rick James backed off and he was like, well, hey, you know, I would have thrown hands with Prince, but okay. I mean, listen, that's just, it's just kind of one of those things. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're both two really big egos, two massive personalities. I, well, okay, it was kind of bound to happen, right? I understand. The rivalry between these two lasted for years. It was very palpable. The energy between the two of them was really electromagnetic. It was really strong. Perhaps some of you know that both Prince and Rick James, not only were they their own artists, but they were signing acts. So Prince had a couple of girl groups and a couple of other solo artists that were signed to his record company, which was called Paisley Park Records. And Rick James was doing the same. Rick James brought up some female groups and some solo artists as well on his label, right? Well, how this all started was Rick James claimed first. He claimed that Prince stole his ideas for these girl groups, right? That's what he claims because Rick really wanted to create a girl group. Rick came across this girl one day. Her name was Joanne McDuffie. And Joanne McDuffie was a part-time jazz singer and a record store clerk. Rick comes across her one day. He sees that she has potential. And he's like, hey, listen, I'm in the market to create a girl group. Would you like to be one of the lead singers for the group? And I'm going to name this group the Mary Jane Girls. And Joanne McDuffie is like, that's great. Awesome. I'm all down for it. So this was kind of where maybe Rick... (laughs) messed up a little, I would say, because Rick goes over to Prince and he's like, hey man, I'm going to create a girl group and it's going to be called the Mary Jane Girls and they're going to be the next best thing. So watch out. It's kind of like, hey, this is the cool thing that I'm doing. What are you doing? Kind of like showing off, I suppose. Well, Prince saw this and he created his own girl group and they came out first. And the girl group that Prince made was called Vanity Six. Vanity Six didn't really have a lot of hit songs. Their popular tune is called Nasty Girl. It's pretty decent, to be honest. That was kind of where Vanity Six comes from. The Mary Jane Girls, they had a lot more hit songs. They had In My House, which is such a tune. They had All Night Long, which is another amazing tune. I mean, to be honest, I prefer the Mary Jane Girls over Vanity Six. However, it's like you're comparing apples and apples. You know what I mean? Granny Smith versus... I don't know, Honeycrisp or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can have the best of both worlds, but that's where that whole thing happened there. Vanity Six broke down a little bit. The lead singer, one of the main girls for the group, her name was Apollonia, and she left to pursue kind of her own thing, and Prince formed a kind of subgroup with Apollonia called Apollonia Six. So her best-known single is called Sex Shooter, and Prince wrote this song for them. I actually prefer the version that Prince did himself over their version of Sex Shooter. However, listen, it's a great song regardless. So, you know, they both were doing the same thing. They were both bringing up new artists into their own circle. They were making girl groups. They were doing all these things. They were trying to help people. So 
hey, it worked out. I think between the two of them, between what Rick was doing and between what Prince was doing, I think they both created kind of about the same level of success for their individual groups. And believe me, they had a lot of flops too. Like a lot of the people that Prince brought on to his record company, they were flops, a lot of them. Like they just didn't really make it. So you win some and you lose some. So that's another way that they would get back at each other was one upping each other with releasing artists under their own label and trying to like make their singles with those artists better than the other ones. For example, Prince formed his other side group called The Time. That was a guy group that wasn't a girl group. And so Rick James saw this and he created his own guy group called Process and the Do-Rags. Again, they're equally of the same platform. Not one of them is more famous than the other one. They're just like equal. So stupid. But another thing that I didn't really know is Rick James wrote Eddie Murphy's big hit song called Party All the Time in 1985. And he specifically did this as a means of getting back against Prince's newfound stardom. And he admitted he wanted to give Eddie Murphy a hit to stick it in Prince's ear. So again, rivalries on top of rivalries on top of rivalries. Another thing actually kind of linking the whole Eddie Murphy thing like between Rick James and Prince is that Dave Chappelle, really, really, really funny. He created some skits where there were some true stories spoken from Eddie Murphy's brother, Charlie Murphy, where he had his little funny stories with Prince and with Rick James. That's just a little side note, by the way. It's really, really, really funny. Like, who knew that Prince was an actually really good basketball player? I didn't know that. Just a little, like, side note there. You know, I mean, I guess it is what it is. What more can you really say about that? Like, you know, Rick's girl groups versus Prince's girl groups versus their boy bands versus his boy bands. It's like, it's a battle of the subpar bands, (laughs) to be fair. I mean, listen, like, Mary Jane Girls had some really good tunes. But aside from that, and, like, Vanity 6 had, like, one or two good songs. Apollonia 6 had that one song, Sex Shooter, that Prince wrote for them. Eddie Murphy's tune. I mean, yeah, that's decent, but like nothing really of substance in my opinion, like that was really of quality came from that. It was just kind of like, again, that rivalry between the two of them. Rick James genuinely saw Prince as the enemy, that Prince was stealing his moves, that he was stealing his aesthetic. He was stealing his fashion. He was stealing his crowd of people, his audience. And that Prince was a sellout, pretty much. Um, But the thing was, I mean, listen, Prince was also coming out with his own movie to coincide with his album, Purple Rain. And what was Rick James really doing? He didn't have a movie like that, right? So Prince was just leveling up more and more and more. You know, Prince had all of these artists under his label and he's making a film about his album, Purple Rain, which became a really, really popular film. And Rick James is kind of falling to the sidelines. You know, Rick is seeing this play out in real time. And it's just like, I think he's losing it a little bit. And, you know, it's really sad to see. But at the same time, I think it was kind of a healthy competition because it actually forced Rick to work harder, which isn't a bad thing. I I think it, it did the same thing for both. You know, I think Prince 
saw what Rick James was doing and he wanted to not necessarily just be the better pop artist, but just to be really good, to be the best. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, to be fair. I mean, there's a bit of healthy competition within everything, isn't there? So I don't really blame either of them. It just kind of was what it was. But getting back around to the whole notion that Rick James thought that Prince was like a sellout, right? So this was in the early mid 80s and MTV was, it wasn't necessarily a new thing. However, they were within their first few years of having released music videos on their platform. And so Prince, he was putting his music videos out on MTV along with Michael Jackson and other artists of the same kind of ilk. But Rick James wasn't. It wasn't because he didn't want to, but because MTV didn't want to put Rick James's music out there. So MTV was releasing Prince's stuff, but they weren't putting out Rick James's stuff. So that was another point of contention. You know, Prince was in his eyes, in Rick James's eyes, you're coming out here, you know, being another sheep in the herd. And, you know, he considered Prince, you know, a brother in, in terms of like, you know, they were one and the same, right? They were two prominent black artists putting their music out there in a time where it was really difficult for them to make a stance in the music industry. However, Prince was garnering both sides, white and black. So, and Rick James wasn't really getting a lot of that. So I could see how Rick James was probably kind of bitter, but this is what Rick James had to say about the whole issue. He's very vocal about that and taking that stance and making sure that people knew what he was all about. And so he thought Prince coming onto the scene on MTV was like being a sellout. So anyway, this is what Rick James had to say about the whole thing about MTV. I believe that all black artists on MTV should pull their videos on MTV. If they would play Rick James without all the other videos, but all the other black artists on there, I wouldn't want my videos on MTV because I'm not going to be a token for nobody. And right now, Michael Jackson, Michael's being a token on MTV. And so is Prince, who probably doesn't care. But I'm not going to be anybody's token because the first thing I am is black. The second thing I am is a person. When I see something as blatant as this, I mean... I'm supposed to sit by and say, cool? And I get that. You know, I get that he was frustrated, but I think it went a bit more than just that on the surface. Again, there was that rivalry. You know, Michael Jackson was also another big artist at the time. And the two of them, Prince and Michael Jackson, you know, they had their own thing as well. Um, but, you know, they were coming up and Rick James was like falling to the wayside. You know what I'm saying? Like Super Freak wasn't, I think, as prominent of a single as Thriller or Purple Rain because, you know, Prince and Michael Jackson were leveling up, but Rick James was kind of staying in the same vicinity, if that makes sense. That's how at least I saw the whole thing happening. Not to say that Rick James's music wasn't good because it was. I'm just saying in terms of the whole big picture that he was staying the same and everyone else was getting further ahead than he was. And um, Rick James, unfortunately, did some really strange stuff at the end of the 80s where he ended up going to jail for kidnap and torture of a young girl with his wife. It's, it's strange, but that's what happened. And so, you know, in that kind of whole realm, Prince kind of won the battle. 
because Prince just kept on going and being true to his word of who he was as a person and just keeping on putting out the good music. And Rick James, he was in his addiction. He was going to jail. Unfortunately, Rick James kind of let his demons get the better of him. And, you know, unfortunately, he died in 2004 due to drugs and he was only 56. However, this is a really, really weird thing, right? Prince also dies in 2016 also due to drugs that I think, if I remember correctly, when Prince died, it wasn't really a publicly known fact that Prince was self-medicating. I don't think that we knew that because he was a Jehovah's Witness. And I think that was like a bit of a discrepancy with that. I think if, if my memory serves me from the time, I think that's what that was. So it was like a shock when Prince up and died because of drugs. The weird thing about that, though, is that Prince was 57. He was only one year older than Rick James when he died. So in a weird kind of way, Prince still one-upped Rick James in death. Is that just so weird? Very weird. But uh, listen, that just humanizes the both of them. That just brings it all back around. You know what I'm saying? Like, listen, okay? They both died due to drugs. They both had their own demons, their own personal issues. Rick was 56. Prince was 57. They both released debut albums in 1978. They were both in the same music scene together. They were both propelling the same message of pro-blackness and being who you are unabashedly and not being afraid to speak up on certain social issues. Like, they were literally one and the same. And it's kind of unfortunate that the two of them had this beef with each other because they could have really collaborated with each other. They could have, but at the same time, I suppose that rivalry between them, that competition needed to happen because, you know, they they were one-upping each other. They were trying to be the better of the two and they were trying to be better themselves. So I think at the end of the day, they're both amazing artists. Okay, beef and all, right? They're both amazing artists. They're both, you know, good human beings. They were just living their life, doing what they wanted to do. They were both loving the music. They were both propelling the same message. You know, they both, you know, intermixed funk with pop and Prince with his <laughs> rock moves and his guitar skills. I mean, God, you know what I'm saying? Like, oof, just unbelievable. Unbelievable talent between the two of them. So amidst all the animosity, amidst all the fighting and the one-upping of each other, I think both of them are on the same playing field for me. You know, not one of them is better than the other. That, in a nutshell, was basically the rivalry, the beef between Prince and Rick James. I hope you guys enjoyed. And I hope that you liked more of that kind of loose format. I just kind of, again, was um, freestyling a bit more with just kind of sitting here and just kind of letting my thoughts come out more than trying to read my outline. Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed that a bit more. So, yeah, I mean, you know, listen, hey, listen to a Rick James album today. Listen to a Prince album today. You'll both you'll enjoy both of them. I know it. You'll enjoy both of them. And that's the point. They were different entities, but they were on the same playing field. They both brought kind of different things to the genre. And I think we have to thank them for that. They were both revolutionaries in their own right. And so that is where I'm going to end it. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you guys learned something today that you never learned about or knew about before. 
I will see you guys next Wednesday with a new episode of On The Mix. Talk to you guys later. Bye, guys.